Bob Huggins may have cost himself his job at West Virginia after twice uttering a homophobic slur on a Cincinnati radio show on Monday morning. We're going to discuss these comments by Bob Huggins, not our favorite topic here on Locked on Zags. We're going to discuss them. We're going to discuss what it means for Huggy, what it means for Gonzaga, what it means for college basketball, all coming up right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. We're going to close out today's show, talk about Andrew Nemhard getting snubbed from the NBA All-Rookie Second Team. We're also going to discuss a few West Virginia players who may or may not enter the transfer portal. They have very little time to do so, what that could mean for Gonzaga. But we're going to lead the show, of course, still talking about West Virginia, talking about Bob Huggins. For those of you who missed this story Monday morning on a radio show in Cincinnati, Bob Huggins was talking about his longtime tenure as the head coach for Cincinnati from 1989 to 2005 is where he coached there. Had, of course, the epic inner city rivalry with the Xavier Musketeers. Always a lot of bad blood between those two programs. A lot of uh, distaste, a lot of fighting, in some cases legitimate fighting on the basketball court. Uh, a heated basketball rivalry, which is not to take away at all from what was said, uh, for the record. But uh, that was the the context of the conversation. They were talking about a specific incident, uh, which this is just a weird thing to be talking about on a college basketball podcast. But uh, an incident of students at Xavier play, throwing um, rubber dildos onto the basketball court. It was something that, that happened at a game, and, and Huggins was talking about that and uh, decided to use some choice language. He uh, said Catholic followed by a word that starts with F that is used to describe cigarettes in across the pond in Great Britain. Uh, that's the extent of what I will say on that word. I'm certainly not going to repeat it here. For anybody who watched the video too, and I think you can hear, you can read a story, you can read Bob Huggins said these two words in an interview on a Cincinnati radio station. You can be outraged and you should be outraged and horrified and upset and frustrated, whatever feelings that you are feeling. Um, but I will say this, it was worse to listen to it. I, some of you probably haven't actually went and listened to the clip. It was really hard to listen to. The word cringe is way overused these days. And I'm, I know I'm going to sound like a real old person talking about Gen Z and how they overuse this word, because I know that that's something that the older generation always complains about younger kids. Uh, but this was a real incidence of feeling that that feeling of cringe, like legitimately, like I kind of winced when I heard the way that he said it just so casually. And then he repeated it as if to make sure that it was heard what word that he had said. And the, the, the Cincinnati radio hosts, they kind of laughed it off. Uh, somebody said, oh, they laughed it off awkwardly. And I listened and I was like, I wish I wish they sounded awkward when they laughed it off. Like that would make me think that there was at least some level of of knowing that that was something that shouldn't have been said, but they kind of just laughed. Like it sounded like a conversation that wasn't meant to be heard by other people, but it was on a God dang radio show. Like, I don't understand how that happened. Why that radio segment wasn't just thrown in the trash as soon as it was over so that it didn't get released. I don't understand. I don't know why they just chose to let that happen. I, it's just like outside of the obvious 
homophobia and the obvious use of language that should not be used at all, just being unaware that it was going to cause a, like that just baffles me. I don't understand. Like people complain about cancer culture. And I, I know that that conversation is going to come up here. If Huggy does get any kind of suspension or uh, fired or anything like that, which we'll talk about, but like you have to have some level of awareness and, and Huggy, he released a statement through, through West Virginia, as you'd expect him to do. And, and I saw it compared to a, some, a screenshot of somebody asking chat GPT to write them an apology as if they were Bob Huggins and the chat GPT, uh, what came out and what Bob Huggins said, they, they weren't identical, but <laughs> they were pretty similar, which is, you know, kind of goes to the point of, of a lot of these apologies that we see from broadcasters or coaches or players or whomever, uh, kind of look pretty canned and look pretty fake. And, and, you know, Bob Huggins didn't write that. I know that he didn't. And I don't really have a huge issue with that. I understand that the this team and the program is going to take over and try to handle that situation. But I just, it's really hard for me to understand how this happened. And, and we're going to talk about it here in part because it was a, a dig at Catholic schools, which I do think has some relevance to Gonzaga. I want to be very clear that the group of people who should be more offended by this, and I don't want to tell anybody how to feel, uh, but certainly his comments were derogatory towards uh, the LGBT community. In, if you're Catholic and you found it offensive, I, I understand. I, I get that. He was, he was dragging specifically Xavier students. That is the specific target here. But the fact that it was a comment made based on what they were doing, to me, that's worse. If he had used this word in a way to as like a blanket insult, that's bad, too. And I think we're as a society starting to realize the same with, you know, the R word. Uh, I, I think feel more comfortable saying that when it's retarded. But saying that versus saying this word and using them as just blanket insults, we've kind of moved past that as a society. But in this case, it felt like a targeted insult based on, you know, these what they were throwing onto the floor and all of that. And, and to me, that's worse. And maybe other people will have a different feeling on it. I, I certainly know that people will. There are definitely people who are already uh, upset that Bob Huggins is even getting in trouble for this at all, or even had to apologize, which is kind of baffling to me. But hey, everybody has slightly different opinions on this, but um, I'm not going to get on a huge soapbox here. I've already probably been on it long enough here to start the show, but this is, it's really upsetting to hear a coach say this, to hear a coach be so willing to use this kind of language, to have a radio station be willing to throw it up on the air and not really have any concern about that. Um, it's insulting to obviously the LGBT community. It's insulting to uh, Xavier students. It's it's insulting to that university in general. And at some level, it is insulting to Catholic schools. And I think we've seen Bob Huggins uh, be a bit dismissive of, of smaller institutions in the past. He's made a lot of comments that Gonzaga would struggle in the Big 12 and, and said something like, oh, they'd be in for a rude awakening, which is always my favorite comment that people make on this topic because they seem to think that Gonzaga is just blissfully unaware that moving to the Big 12 is going to be harder than the WCC. I don't understand why people think that Gonzaga is not aware of that. Like that just doesn't really make sense to me, but it makes more sense if you accept that Huggins probably seems to have some kind of vendetta against smaller schools, against Catholic schools, um, non-state schools. Obviously, his comments uh, were much more divisive and more dismissive of another group of people, a marginalized group of people in this country that do not deserve to be uh, talked about in that way, to be so casually insulted on a radio station by somebody who should very clearly know better. And and um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to Bob Huggins. I, I think that 
West Virginia is the kind of place that might not fire him. I also am not going to sit here and bang my hands and scream that Bob Huggins needs to be fired. I wouldn't keep him on. I'll say that. I don't think I would be comfortable continuing to have this person be my head coach. If I was a parent, I wouldn't want my, my son to continue to play for him. I think that there's a lot of people who are going to feel the same way, but West Virginia is a relatively conservative town and, and conservative area. And there's a chance that people won't care all that much and that it won't change. Uh, and that's a bummer. Uh, again, I'm not going to sit out here and scream to the high heavens that Bob Huggins needs to be fired. Um, but I support people who do. I support people who are saying that. Uh, I don't necessarily think that nothing, I absolutely don't think nothing should happen. Something needs to happen here outside of just a canned apology that an AI computer could have written. More needs to happen. The last point I'll make here before we get into the second segment, we talk more about how this might actually impact Gonzaga, which is a tough transition, but we'll get there. But I want to continue to reiterate how happy I am that Mark Few tends to stay away from media. Now, Mark Few is not perfect. Obviously, he has a very significant black mark on his record from a DUI that he got two years ago, uh, and that's never going to go away. And that shouldn't be just completely forgotten. It shouldn't. It's a part of Mark Few's history. And it's a, it's a negative part. It's one of the worst parts of his history, if not the worst. But he doesn't, he hasn't really put his foot in his mouth ever. He, he doesn't talk to media very much, which can be frustrating, but is also probably a good thing. Um, he's careful with what he says. And this is the kind of story that just would not happen for Mark Few and the Zags. And I, I think we're, we as Gonzaga fans are fortunate. Um, again, we don't have a, a coach who is pristine and perfect, and he made a pretty significant mistake, but... He seems to have learned from that and hopefully will continue to be a good leader without causing these kinds of problems. Let's put it that way. Well, we're going to transition to talking about this more from a basketball perspective because this is a basketball podcast. It is a college basketball podcast. It is a Gonzaga podcast. So we're going to talk about what this might mean for West Virginia. They added a bunch of players in the transfer portal this year. Are they going to keep those players? Are players going to quickly re-enter the portal in the next couple of days? Could a former Gonzaga target once again, be back on the market. Market More on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Maybe you want to vet, bet on Marco Gonzalez to get a win for the Mariners, or perhaps you want to bet on Eli Morgan to get a save for the Cleveland Guardians. Either way, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, folks, I want to thank you all for making Lockdown Zags your first listen every day. For you everyday listeners, we got more fun stuff coming later this week. We're going to talk more transfer portal players. We're going to talk about the WCC and the additions that this conference has made in the transfer portal. We'll close it out with some conference realignment talk to end the week as well. All sorts of very fun stuff right here, Locked on Zags. Again, if you're an everyday listener, I want to thank you for doing that. If you want to become an everyday listener, just go hit that subscribe button on YouTube or follow the show along wherever you get your podcasts. All right, well, we're going to continue to talk about West Virginia. We're going to continue to talk a little bit about Bob Huggins, but more I want to talk about what this move, what this phrase, what him saying to the media and, and everything that has come out of this, what this might mean for West Virginia. May 11th, as I'm recording this, it is the morning of May 9th. 
So on May 11th is the final day that players can enter the NCAA transfer portal. They do not have to pick a destination by then. Otherwise, we would be in chaos mode right now. They have basically the rest of the summer up until the start of the college basketball season to pick where they are going to play next. But they have to enter the portal by May 11th. If you are a player at West Virginia who is upset, horrified, disgusted, whatever, by these comments from Coach Huggins, and you do not want to play for him anymore, you have two days to make a decision on what you want to do. And I can tell you with absolute confidence that West Virginia is not going to make a decision on Bob Huggins' career by then, nor should they. I don't think this is a decision you make right off the bat necessarily. I, again, I really don't know if West Virginia is going to fire Bob Huggins or not. I think there's more likelihood that they're going to come to some kind of agreement, maybe make this his last year. I think that was potentially going to be the case either way. Uh, He's not going to be coaching for a whole lot longer anyway. He's been around for a very, very long time. It would be, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to try to fire him before the year starts, if they're going to let him finish out the year, if they're going to just suspend him for the first few games, there's a lot of different options here. People are going to be pissed regardless. That's the unfortunate part of an incident like this that happens, but it does make me curious if players are going to be less willing to play for him because this was a tremendous off season for Bob Huggins. It's very unfortunate for this to happen after they made so many big additions in the portal, a team that was okay in the big 12 last year they were one of the worst big 12 teams but they were still okay because the big 12 was really really good but they went out and added jesse edwards from syracuse they went out and added kirk Creesa from arizona they went out and added raekwon battle from montana state joe perez from manhattan like those are really really good players that they brought to this program in the hopes of being able to be much more competitive in the big 12 next season so what's going to happen now jesse edwards in particular was a target for the Zags. They were interested in him. He listed them in his top five, top three, I think. I can't actually remember the the final list. Gonzaga never really felt like a super legitimate chance of landing him, even though they were on his list. Money played a factor here. Edwards, after he committed to NIL, he made it clear, speaking to the media, that Syracuse didn't really have a plan for an NIL, and that was something that kind of bothered him. And I think that's, again, we've talked about NIL a whole bunch on the podcast. NIL, or excuse me, everyday listeners will know that we tend to talk about players who want more money, who are interested in money. There's nothing wrong with that. Certainly not every player is going to be as invested in that. But some players, maybe family situations, maybe other reasons, are, are more invested in, in how much money they're going to make. And, and the reports were that Edwards got a huge chunk of change from West Virginia. Reports. I've never seen that confirmed from anybody. Numbers were upwards of $500,000, if not more. I never saw it officially confirmed, but if that's the kind of money that he was getting, Gonzaga may have that. I don't know. I don't know if Gonzaga would be willing to spend that. I also don't know if Edwards would re-enter the portal and then still try to get that same amount of money or not. Again, to be clear, I don't, there's a chance that not a single player leaves West Virginia. This is not some kind of guarantee in any way. I also don't think that that says I don't think that we should judge players for not leaving that I'm not going, I'm not in that business. I'm not going to kind of go that route because, you know, your school is more than just your head coach and choosing to go to a program based on a variety of factors, including your head coach. Certainly that's part of it, but 
uh, when you finally make this big life decision and you get ready to move your family or move yourself at least and, and go to a new school and, and kind of get used to that. And then all of a sudden this thing happens and you're like forced with this tough decision. I feel for these kids. I feel for guys like Creesa and Edwards and, and Perez and, and, and players who are already there. You know, it doesn't just have to be guys who just joined the team, like players who have maybe been there for two or three years who maybe have relatives who are in the LGBT community or friends or family or, or, or who, whatever it may be who are upset and hurt by these comments. Like there's no doubt that that is real. And whether these comments offended you or not as a listener, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It, it, it does, but it, he upset his players, some of them, not all of them. Some of them probably didn't care, don't care. Some of them do though. And, and that to me is, is a, a big part of this is what are those players going to do? Because they're kind of hamstrung by this, this deadline to enter the transfer portal, have to make a decision of, is this upsetting enough to me to want to leave uh, considering other factors as well? And it's just, it's just a messy situation. I have no idea if Jesse Edwards is going to re-enter the transfer portal. What I do know is that he was a close connection to Gonzaga. He's a big seven foot plus center. He's a rim protector. He averaged 14 and a half points per game for Syracuse last year, 10 boards, two and a half blocks per game. He's a 59% shooter on twos. He would be a really wonderful addition to Gonzaga. When Gonzaga was pursuing him, they had not landed Graham EK. So I think that the odds of pursuing him with as much vigor, with as much intensity, with as much uh, interest financially uh, is probably not there as much. Edwards, EK, Watson, Greg is a tremendous front court, but it is a luxury to have that much talent. We've talked a lot about some potential transfer portal additions that Zags could make in the front court. Edwards is better than all of them. And I don't know that they would necessarily be able to land a guy like that with what they would be promising from a minutes perspective, from a just overall usage rate perspective. Players like Connor Van Over, who we spoke about uh, on a recent episode, uh, players like DJ Rodman from Washington State, both guys we talked about last week, everyday listeners are familiar with those two guys. They fit a little bit more because they don't need 30 minutes a night or 28 minutes a night or 25 even. Like Van Over could come over and play 12 to 15 minutes as a backup center, rim protector in that role. Now, he would have to want to do that, and he may not. Uh, and that was we talked about that on that episode. But I can guarantee you that Jesse Edwards does not want that. Like a guy like Vanover might, a guy like Rodman might. Edwards is not going to want to do that. I don't blame him at all. Um, he was a starting center at Syracuse for four years. He's going to be the starting center at West Virginia. And he might still do that. But if he enters the portal, you can bet it's going to be to go somewhere where he's going to be the starting center once again. I think he'd start at Gonzaga, but I'm not sure that they have the guaranteed minutes, the guaranteed playing time, guaranteed role that he would want or that they would be willing to pursue him and pay him that amount of money knowing that they have really reasonable players in his absence and guys like Watson and Greg and Graham EK now. So again, a messy situation at West Virginia right now. Uh, I feel for these players who have to make this decision in a short amount of time, perhaps they would be given a, a waiver if they wanted to enter the portal after this, if like say in late May, the after conducting an investigation, which there's not really much to investigate, but if in late May, all of a sudden West Virginia decides to fire Bob Huggins effective immediately, he's done. He's not coaching for the rest of the year. I think they would then grant players the ability to transfer. I don't know exactly the rules or the language in the in the rule book on, on how that would work, but I suspect if you're Kirk Creesa, you go to West Virginia specifically to play for Bob Huggins. I don't know if that's why, but that's what he'd say for sure. And then Bob Huggins gets fired and he's like, I want to, I want to re-enter the portal. I want to experience my options. I think the NCAA would probably grant that. You could have arguments about whether they should, but I think the NCAA would probably grant that. And again, we talked about Jesse Edwards being the logical target for Gonzaga. I don't think Kirk Creasa would be a target. Kirk Creasa wants to be a starting point guard. He's not going to get that. 
at Gonzaga. Raekwon Battle wasn't really ever connected to Gonzaga. He is from Washington, though. He's from uh, just north of Seattle. He started his career at UW, then played at Montana State for the last couple of years, now back at West Virginia. Could he be a Gonzaga target if he entered the portal? Perhaps. Perhaps. Joe Perez is an interesting case. He transferred from Manhattan when his coach uh, left and then didn't get eligibility last year, even though he totally should have. The NCAA kind of screwed him, but he's going to be eligible this year. But he's already been at West Virginia for a whole year. So whether that changes the equation on him or not, I don't know. But I suspect after waiting an entire year to finally get a chance to play at West Virginia, I somehow don't think that Joe Perez is going to go anywhere. This is an interesting situation, one that we'll continue to track here on Locked On Zags uh, and, of course, on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast as we see what happens with West Virginia, with Bob Huggins, and with those players who are now kind of perhaps in a little bit of flux based on the recent events with, with Coach Huggins. Well, we're going to transition away from West Virginia and this Bob Huggins conversation. We're going to close out the show talking about Andrew Nemhard, who was snubbed. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was snubbed from the all-rookie second team. I'll tell you why coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. Switching over to talk about NBA Zags here, specifically Andrew Nemhard, who despite having a tremendous rookie season with the Indiana Pacers, was not named to the all-rookie second team. They have it tiered based on whether you got votes for first team or second team. You get a total score of points. This, the last player selected for the all-rookie second team was Houston center Tari Eason. Eason received 47 points. Andrew Nemhard who finished just outside of being an all-rookie team performer. He finished with 46 points, one point away from being named to the all-rookie second team. Tari Eason received two first-place votes, all-rookie first-team votes for Tari Eason, while Andrew Nemhard, all of his votes were second team. That was the difference. That alone contributed to Andrew Nemhard not making the all-rookie second team. Tari Eason finished the year averaging 9.3 points, 6 rebounds, 1.1 assists, and he shot 34% from deep. Andrew Nemhard finished the season with 9.5 points, so basically a wash. 4.5 assists, he's a point guard compared to Eason, so that makes sense. 2.7 rebounds compared to Eason's 6. He also shot 35% from deep. So the only category that Tari Eason was better at is rebounds, which you would expect. I just don't see it. Like, I think that Easton is a fine pick over Nemhard for second team. I can I can understand why you might make that vote. I think Andrew Nemhard was better. He was more impactful. I think he changes Indiana more than Tari Eason changed Houston. But Tari Eason getting first place votes when Andrew Nemhard didn't even sniff a first place vote just does not sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with me. I think that... Eason is probably the only player I definitively would have Nemhart above on the all-rookie second team. It's not like there was four guys on that team that Nemhart should have been above. The rest of the team was very solid group of players. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr., also with the Houston Rockets. Uh, Tari Eason, we mentioned. Jalen Duran, uh, from formerly of Memphis. Chet Holmgren just dominated him in the NCAA tournament that year. Uh, he's now with the Detroit Pistons. Jaden Ivey, also with the Detroit Pistons out of Purdue. And then Jeremy Sochan with the San Antonio Spurs. I think Nemhard's probably behind most of those guys. I think there's an argument of him over Sochan, but it's kind of weak. But he's definitely over Eason. And it's just it was frustrating to see him not get that love after 
what was such a such a fun rookie year again second round pick a guy who before the draft many didn't even know if he was going to get drafted at all uh he kind of started creeping up on boards in the in the mid second and then started creeping up a little bit more than that after a strong performance at the combine ends up going 31st to the indiana pacers immediately secures the biggest bag ever given to a second round pick in terms of guaranteed money and then he 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 completely proves that he deserves it he has that 31 point near triple double against the Golden State Warriors. He has that game-winning three over LeBron James. He takes over as a starter for the Pacers when they desperately need him to. Helps lead that team to a much more successful season than people thought. Now they have this really nice young nucleus with Tyrese Halliburton, with Andrew Nemhard, with Ben Matherin, who was an all-rookie first-team player out of Arizona this past year, with Chris Duarte out of Oregon. They, they have this great young core now developing in Indiana, and Nemhard is kind of a catalyst for it. And th- that's generally true of Houston as well, a young core with Tari Eason being a part of it. But to me, Nembhard is just a much more impactful, bigger contributor to his team than Eason was. And I think that looking at how this rookie season went for Nembhard, how much he was in the headlines, how he cooked Steph Curry, he cooked LeBron James. He was a huge part of that storyline with John Morant. Um, To me, Nembhard was a bigger, more impactful player in the NBA this past season than Tari Eason. I don't, I, I think that it's a pretty strong argument that, I know that I'm biased. Of course, I'm biased. I love Andrew Nembhard. But I think that a lot of people would agree that Andrew Nembhard made more of an impact this year than Tari Eason. Their stats are very similar, very similar. You could you'd close your eyes and pick one, and you can make an argument for why that player is better. But Nembhard scored more points. He had more assists. He shot better from three. I just I, I think he was a more impactful player. I think it was frustrating to see him not get that recognition when I think he deserved it. First team, for the record, we talked about the second team, Smith, Eason, Duran, Sochan, and Jaden Ivey. Uh, first team was Paolo Bancaro, who was the rookie of the year. Totally understandably, he's not a very efficient scorer yet, but he has superstar potential with the Orlando Magic. Ben Matherin, who we talked about, of course, very, very good rookie year with Indiana as well. Walker Kessler out of Auburn, tremendous rookie season for him with the Utah Jazz, really emerged as an elite rim protector at that level. Jalen Williams from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shout out Santa Clara Broncos. Jalen Williams was the second finisher. Keegan Murray was the final player on that all first team, but I want to talk about Jalen Williams a little bit because he received 99 out of a hundred first team votes. One person did not vote for him on the all rookie first team. There was one person who voted for Jalen Williams from Arkansas, who is also on the Oklahoma City Thunder spelled differently. Jalen Williams, the Arkansas one received one first place vote. He did not deserve that. No chance. He was a good player this year. Good rookie. Did not deserve a first team vote. Fairly clear to me that somebody messed up. Somebody voted for the wrong Jalen Williams. Otherwise, Santa Clara Jalen Williams would have had a hundred first place, first team votes. Same with Paolo Bancaro. Would have been really cool to see him get that honor. Does it really matter? No. In the grand scheme of things, is Paolo Bancaro the rookie of the year and Jalen Williams second? Yeah. And I think that's fine. And I think it's reasonable, but would have been fun to see him get that opportunity. Kind of a bummer that it ended the, the way that people would have kind of guessed back in uh, back in June of last year when the Thunder drafted both Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams. I think everybody was like, oh, this is definitely going to cause some problems. Here we are about a year later. And I don't know if it's a full on problem, but it caused a, a an issue, uh, certainly where a player didn't get the vote that they deserved or that they should have gotten because of their their name situation. For the Zags, another player who, you know, this is an opportunity that they missed out on having another player named to an all-rookie team, something we've seen quite a bit in their history. Uh, And next year, I think they'll have at least one. 
because Chet Holmgren will be an official rookie next season, despite uh, obviously getting drafted this past year. He did not play this year, so he is a full-on rookie. Same with Ben Simmons, same with Blake Griffin. They won Rookies of the Year a year after they were actually rookies. Chet Holmgren, don't know if he's going to win Rookie of the Year over Victor Wembignana, Scoot Henderson, and those guys, but he is going to be one of the all-rookie first or second team contributors without a doubt. Julian Strother, never know, could be in that conversation as well, expecting to get drafted uh, and play a role in the NBA next year. If things come together for him and he gets himself a chance, he could be a guy who sneaks into that conversation as well. We got more NBA draft content coming your way later on the Locked on Zags podcast, NBA draft combine coming your way next week. We'll talk about what that means for Strother, for Timmy, for anybody else involved in that process. And of course, we got more coming your way this week as well. More transfer portal updates. We're going to take a look around the WCC and what's going on in this conference from a portal perspective. And we're going to close out the week looking at some conference realignment conversations, some things that I would love to see from conference realignment. We'll get your input and feedback on that as well. All right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Finally, thank you all for listening. And of course, as always, go Zags.